Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 282 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we are talking about the North Carolina Grand Prix that took place last weekend in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Also talking about Overisa, the return of Tom Pidcock, the controversy in the women's race the day before at uh, Strawberry Cross, and a whole lot more. It's a Media Pit episode, and it's brought to you by our friends at Hammerhead and the Carew 2. Holidays are coming up. Treat yourself. You need a new head unit for that bike. Get the Hammerhead Carew 2 Unlock your potential, seek what's next, and find your path forward. And do it all with a heart rate monitor on us. All you need to do is add the Crew 2 and also the heart rate monitor to your checkout uh, basket. And then add the code CX radio, C-X-R-A-D-I-O. In my copy here, it's all in caps, so you should do the same thing just to make sure that you get that heart rate monitor for free. It's a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Carew 2. Go to hammerhead.io, add the items to your cart, and use the promo code CX radio. All right, make sure that you uh, check out the CX Airs Bulletin. Great, uh, Interview with Kerry Werner that Zach did. Uh, we talk about it a little bit in this episode. I'm also going to have some photos up there from that race. Uh, our colleague Ethan has photos from the Mud Fest at Overisa up there too. A lot of good stuff. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. CXHairs.substack.com. Let's get to it. This is episode 282 of Cyclocross Radio. It's the media pit. We got Zach. We got Michael. We're talking about Overisa, North Carolina Grand Prix. We're doing it all right now. We are back in the media pit. Lots to talk about. We have Overisa, the World Cup that took place this past weekend. Also, Strawberry Cross. Pronounce it for me, Zach. Come on. I don't know how to pronounce it. Strawberry Cross. Merck's Plus. Well, and don't don't sleep on the combo with Grape Cross. We had it's Droven Cross at uh, at Overisa. Don't sleep on the double fruit, fruit of the loom right. weekend. Real big opportunity for sponsorship there at the Merck spot. Okay. And then we also had the North Carolina Grand Prix, which I was uh, down in Hendersonville for. Plus we have, well, we had Pitcock back, but we got the other two guys uh, on their way back. Plus we have a, a, a new best uh, women's elite rider, evidently. So w- let's, uh, let's dive into all of that. Um, but uh, first, Zach... Snowcross, talk to me about it. Snowcross, yeah, we were uh, <laughs> went up went up north uh, for the Wisconsin State Championships. Uh, I, I liked it was kind of cool. It's it's cool to see a venue when it doesn't have like fencing everywhere and like a thousand people, and you're able to kind of get around and kind of see it in a new way and check out some new angles. But uh, pretty, it snowed. It like 
made for some epic photos. We had we had a ton, a ton of Masters National Champions. We had three current Masters National Champions racing in the elite races, one former one, just stacked with talent. Uh, so that was super fun to watch. Isaac Neff, uh, he won the elite men's race. Aaron Feldhausen won the elite women's race um, after Lily Sonman, 15-year-old, had a flat, which sucked, but I think that's a name to remember. Uh, she's on the up and up, so... Super fun! It's great to be great to be back in Wisconsin. See familiar faces. They got championship belts, uh, and yeah, just a classic race. Another one of those classics. Just the state championships at track, putting a little different twist on the the World Cup course that we've just kind of come to know so well. Did did they do the uh, uh, the run up and all of the World Cup bits? No, they left that part out. So it's a little bit more. I think a little bit more toned down. Uh, it was it was slick, like it had snowed, so it was covered in snow. Everything was really dicey. It was very much like a you had to know how to drive your bike kind of day. So, uh, and you know, I was telling I was telling friend of friend of everything cross Chad Brown. I think it really shows where that venue shines. Like that venue has a lot of really good off camber opportunities, and I think it it made for a really interesting dynamic racetrack because there was so much off camber and it was so slick and so icy. You know, like we said, like if track gets weather, it's a pretty good course. Like it's actually a pretty good course. It's just that like when it's bone dry and races super fast, it's not the most thrilling. So I thought it was a day to to have that venue kind of shine. Um, but also as we've established, literally anywhere can be a World Cup now. So literally any race can be a World Cup. And so I think there's a little less, you know, <laughs> it's hard to criticize track when some of these courses that they're they're giving World Cups to these days, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Michael, what's going on down there in uh, Louisiana? Uh, it's cold, so I'm running the trainer. I bonked on the trainer on Saturday. That was pretty funny. Uh, Whoa, what? Do tell. How did you get out of this bonk? <laughs> I got off, the, got off the trainer in my garage, walked inside, housed half a uh, chicken pot pie, and then went back out in the garage and finished my interval. And also an episode of Dairy Girls that I've been binging on the trainer and now I really want to go to the Dublin World Cup, but it's during Nets. So, but Zach, I want to know though, at, at Trek, is the secret bar still there and is the barn flyover still there for states? Uh, the barn flyover was, the secret bar was not used. I think they used it one year when it was unseasonably warm. We were doing, in my Instagram stories, we were doing some some retrospectives of terrible days of cold cyclocross in Wisconsin. So that was super fun. And we identified the 2018 state championships as the worst day in the history of Wisconsin cyclocross. It was like 35 raining with 20 mile an hour winds. And it was the most disgusting, horrible day I had like 15 people like chime in in my DMs be like, yeah, just, yeah, that they suck. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh, you know what else we got coming up? We got, uh, Canadian nationals. That's another, uh, another, another thing worth, uh, worth talking about. Maybe at the end, if we have some time, we can, uh, go over some of that. I just, I, I, it, it. I, it, I I was reminded of it because I saw that Ruby West is uh, is going to be racing. I think that might be her first uh, cross race for the year. So that's something we can uh, talk about if we have time at the end of this episode. But uh, let's start uh, let's start domestically at um, Hendersonville and uh, talk about that for a couple minutes. This was this was my first time down there. I think that apologies to Adam Myerson. I think Northampton may be the only race now domestically that I have not seen 
in person. I think that's the only one left on my bingo card. Uh, North Carolina, Hendersonville, North Carolina Grand Prix was uh, one I wanted to get down for a while. Interesting race, good racing. When you when you go when you go to this venue, it's it's in a park like many other parks that have cyclocross. A lot of the uh, course uh, wins around soccer pitches and baseball diamonds and on the off cambers that you know sort of were created by the by the boundaries of the park and when i first came in there basically showed up and covered the 10 a.m race right away since the cxr's devo team had uh people in there so i i didn't really get a chance to scout and i'm like all right it's most it's kind of like not the most exciting venue in the world and I was at the finish line and you can see the riders go by sort of parallel to the finish line. And then they turn at some point and come back and I'm sitting at the finish final lap. I'm like, all right, they're there. And then I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and like three minutes, two minutes go by. And I'm like, where did they go? And then all of a sudden they show back up and there they are. And I was like, I'm missing something here at this venue. So after the next race, I, you know, shot the start and then started walking backwards down the finish line and it turns, everything's off to the left and there's like this right turn and then it's all this beautiful wooded section that is about, you know, a kilometer of wooded section in there. That was just amazing. Like the coolest area in there. And then if you saw any of my pictures, and I, you know, hopefully I'll have a gallery up at the, at the bulletin, it's going to look like the whole course is wooded because I don't think I left there uh, for the rest of the weekend. We well, were um, taking the, the Bodie's Bangers approach to, to hit yeah, that venue. You got to go where, the, you, you go where the, the, the shots are. There was one, they have one other section in there that's kind of cool. It's the amphitheater section. It is a, um, you know the whole Belgian stairs things, this could legitimately be called the Brussels, whatever bumps or something, because it's, it's identical to that. And they, they send them down those bumps and then it's a nice, it's actually a pretty severe off camber U-turn and then right back up them and then down them again. So it's, it's actually a pretty neat, I would say that's the, that other than the woods, that kind of would be the marquee feature of that course. That that and another another set of good American. Mm, if they were forty centimeters, that was going to be a conservative measurement on the low side of super high planks. The Hendersonville humps is that what we can call them? And I'm, I'm, yeah, absolutely. That's what they should call them in Brussels. <laughs> yeah, it looked like. I mean, I these are our these are our North Carolina humps. That's what they should. That's what Brussels should call them. You know, there's no, you know, all I can gather of this race is what I saw on Carrie Warner's vlog. Um, but I did see, I did see that there is some, those, it looked like there was, like you said, some nice, I don't know, I guess climbs or steep pitches that sort of added a little bit of a punchiness to the course. Um, yeah, they're, what they would call their, I think their marquee feature is, is the wall, okay. which I think when it's muddy, you, you know, yeah. it's, it's really hard, but I think just on a dry firm day it's it's tough i mean it's a challenge but at the elite level it's you know it's it's something that all you know they're putting in an effort and i don't think anybody's getting off in your lower categories they're all getting off their bikes and that's kind of a, a determining feature if you're not able to get it right uh 
everybody I talk to on the elite side that raced this, you know, even if I'm out there going, well, this doesn't look like the most exciting track, loved it. I thought it just flowed perfectly. It was a great layout. It was a lot of fun. Um, It was one of these, I know, as people who shoot these races, not necessarily our favorite layout in that it was kind of a point to point. (laughs) Like it was... (laughs) all the way over here and then all the way down there. And then you kind of turned around and came all the way back. So there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like, uh, going back on yourself. So, which, uh, made it a little different. That's, that's kind of why I stayed in the woods too. Cause it, it was tough to get from one end of the track to the other. But, but again, the r- good racing, you know, a nice, um, kind of last, last effort before nationals for most of these people. I think the only other racing anybody's going to be doing will probably be just like local races. And then we're up to nationals. So it was good. It was good. And, uh, good fields, good fields have showed up. Yeah. I guess the, uh, the, the main story on Saturday was Yolanda Neff, the downhiller decided to do a lot of slack cross. Yeah. Downhiller. And then, you know, she only raced Saturday because Sunday she was racing enduro at, uh, Cranksgiving also in Hendersonville, um, which was, I mean, pretty awesome. She's, you know, it's kind of a cycling playground for her. She can just pick and choose what she wants to do, but it was, it was really cool to see her there. I think that she only raced one day when I'm looking at it, it makes it even better because it was more special. It was more special for the people racing against her. It was more special for all the spectators that came out to see her. And, uh, Yolanda Neff, she proved why she's an Olympic champion. She, uh, you know, I think even said that she was pretty much figuring out how to race cross again in the first lap or two. It was her and Carolyn Manny and uh, Lauren Zerner uh, in in the lead group. I think uh, Hannah Aronsman, uh let out the race and then fell back a little bit. And uh, yeah, in, and then by I think lap two or three, Yolanda was able to separate from those other two and take take the solo win. Manny kept her wheel as long as she could, came in second place. Zerner on that day, best finish ever for her first time on an elite podium. And um, always the uh, consummate teammate. Even Carol Manny fighting with Yolanda Neff. I mean, I, I have this photo of them coming around a corner together. Manny's leading Neff's right on her wheel. Lauren's dropped off about a second or two and Carolyn's just yelling at Lauren to get back up there <laughs> from, from like the front of the race. She's like, come on, Lauren, hop up, let's go. <laughs> so some, her, her talking on the course, something, some things will never change. So yeah. So Yolanda Neff, really good to see in the men's side on that day one, uh, back to that alpha team uh sam brown actually was the first one to make a move and went out you know young guy really nice you know the kind of thing you have to do as as a young rider was kind of funny talking to the more experienced riders in the the field they were all like oh cool somebody made a move because like tobin i talked to tobin ortenblatt was there he's like i didn't want to make the first move carrie's like i don't want to make the first move tyler orschel's like i didn't want to make the first move and then as soon as he went they all had their spot picked out which was basically the the start finishing line as soon as he hit that all of them attacked i think at once i think it was actually carrie that got off first and then uh orschel 
went next and followed him and then Tobin and that was the separation. And uh Sam was able to hang on. I think he got a top five in there. And it's it's talking to Tobin about that. It's he was like, look, is it do we all know that we're gonna counterattack him and that's kind of what we're waiting for? Yes. But as a young rider, is that what you should do? Yeah, absolutely. You gotta do it because you never know. Maybe it's gonna stick one of these times and then then he's out there. So that one came down to uh, Tyler Orschel having a little bobble. I think he may have actually uh, crashed on one of these innocuous parts. You know, fast course, but you had to nail every turn and you'd get it wrong. It would just go wrong. He came off, with, um, wasn't able to catch back up. Curry came in uh, solo on that day with Orschel second, Orton Blad third. Quickly, day two. Uh, Manny takes the win. Lauren Zerner improving on her effort from the day before. Now her best uh, finish ever is second. Uh, Hannah Aaronsman in third. And then pretty much the same same deal in the men's race. Had uh, Kerry Werner won the race in a sprint with uh, Orschel. And then Tobin Wartenblad in third. If you don't know Tyler Orschel, Canadian guy, uh, mountain biker, but I think most people may have heard his name because I believe he won the U.S. Collegiate Nationals last year, beating Scott Funston and Strohmeyer. I believe you're correct. So yes, he's yeah, the so he's he, the Canadian interloper. Canadian with a Canadian with the stars. There and were there were a lot of Canadians. <laughs> I, these Canadians seem to be yeah. attracted to the uh, the Brevard area. But we had a bunch of you know just looking down this list. Brody Sanders. It was a collegiate. It was a collegiate race too, and I think a lot of them. Yes. Uh, are in school down there. You got Milligan and, um, yeah, it, it just a lot of, um, uh, Lee's McRae is around there. So you have all of these colleges that are really big cycling schools that SCAD, a lot of people from SCAD were there. I mean, if you're from Canada, you can do a lot worse. It's one of the best places to ride bikes in America. I would, I would go to one of those schools in a heartbeat and go live down there. And yeah, ride especially my bike. if, if if you're a mountain biker and you have Pixa right there, you know, I mean, just it's, it's beautiful. It's great riding. And I think that's, that is what attracts uh, a lot of those Canadians, um, to that race. And yeah, they did really well. Brody Sanderson had a good race in there too. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to jump into it, it was, uh, now, but between Tyler Orschel and, uh, Holmgren and Sanderson, you know, Briefly talking about Canadian Nats, I think Michael Vandenham has his uh, work cut out for him, which he knows, and uh, to hold on to that. We 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 talked about it a little bit last week, but just just watching these Canadians go from Pan Ams and that New England stint down to North Carolina, it's gonna be that's gonna be a spicy men's race for the Canadian Nationals. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight for our second favorite Canadian. So I, I don't is who's the favorite? If he's the second favorite, who's the favorite? Tyler Clark? I don't know. Sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know. Gunnar Holmgren? I mean, Gunnar had... Like, Gunnar Holmgren? I think Gunnar... Yeah. I think you got to put Gunnar up there okay. for sure. All right. Well, one of, one of those two, because Michael obviously has to be uh, the second favorite. Do you uh, do you know who's racing? I was looking for start list. Do you know who's racing for the women? What about Jeff? How are we sliding Jeff Kabush? <laughs> yeah, and you never know which Destera is going to show up or, you know... Who knows? Who knows going to be who's going to be racing that race? Yeah, we'll have to look for a start list. Uh, all right. Um, I think that pretty much covers North Carolina. Unless anything y'all want to know about that? 
No, I just think I think it's good to see Kerry Werner racing. I mean, it seems like he really enjoyed himself. Uh, we have an interview uh, coming up that'll be up at the Bulletin where I talked to him, and it was kind of fun. We threw out some had one hour of Twitter responses since Twitter is still cranking. We had some questions that folks asked. So it was kind of like an interactive thing that he had a lot of fun with, but uh, he just, you can just see that he loves cyclocross and it was, he loves racing it. And, you know, he was talking a lot about the tactics and stuff. And I think just, you know, it's what we love is he's just like, it's an hour of engagement. And I love that, you know, he loves that. And he was talking about the strategy that he was going through his mind and racing against Tyler and, and Tobin and all that. So, I don't know. You just, you love to see it. And I think that, you know, he's like the most popular cyclocross racer in North America. And we'd obviously love to see him more next year. So hopefully he can find a way he talked about perhaps doing, you know, trying to find a way to do the USAX series or something like that. So hopefully we'll see more Kerry Warner, uh, but it's still just great to see him. And, um, you know, one thing that he talked about too was, he's been, he's been the people's hero, right? He's been the people's hero of racing literally every race. He did the cyclocross stage race of America. And last year he had a really disappointing nationals. And so maybe this will be different. He's taking the, the hobbyist, you know, like the European, like the, the Stibar and Mariana Voss that would come into it late. So maybe he'll have a little bit more snap and a little bit more fitness. And Hartford was the place that he got his first nationals podium back in the snow. Who knows what the weather will be like? So who knows? Maybe this could be the play for him that, you know, he'll have a really good nationals and give a Bruner and White a run for the money with this he's, new training he's got him. He's got to be praying for the snow. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's not going to win. Like, he's not going to win if it doesn't snow. But if it snows, if it's a repeat of 2017 or conditions like that, like, who knows what's going to happen? The man has had success there. I hope it snows. That would be great. Um, One of the questions I wanted to ask him, I didn't get to your Twitter poll enough time, but I was curious, like, speaking of him wanting to race USCX, but, like, you know, where the the money is or where he has to go and that's gravels. Like, is there a way to do an ideal season where he can mix them both? Like what would be the ideal amount of gravel and the ideal amount of cross in which you're sort of like hitting both of them at the opportune times, you know, for your fitness, uh, to, to do a series like USCX. So I'm just curious to see what that would look like for him. Yeah. The bummer is that the, the gravel, you know, you know how the the roadies always used to complain that that um, summer cross and early fall cross was the downfall of road, um, which I never bought that argument. But they're like, oh, cross starts too early. You know, we're still racing road. Back up cross and all this was always the thing that we'd hear, especially in the East Coast. Uh, I, the, gravel just plops itself down on every discipline, you, you know, which is kind of the problem. It starts almost, it starts early spring, you know, still middle of the road season. And then it doesn't end until October. So it's, it's really, it's tough. It's tough to be able to squeeze in more than one discipline, especially now you got the lifetime grand prix. It's going to seven, uh, events plus other big events that are out there. So, you know, it's 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 really tough to be able to successfully do a gravel, a, a, all in gravel season and an all in cyclocross season. Yeah, I, it's just but it, to me, it's you know I view gravel as more early season. There's still a lot of events that end 
by you could do a full gravel season by July and still race cyclocross, in my opinion. But I'm not making these decisions. I am not the bike industry, you know. But I don't know that you need to be going to these late fall events. I think there's less focus on it at that point too. I mean, I think people have moved on and seems like to other stuff. I, you know, I, we didn't really talk about Big Sugar and like some of those events. So, but who knows? I don't make those decisions. <laughs> But, but that is that is a series, big then right. That's you, the big event. It's it was October. It's going to be October twenty first next year. You know, big plus sugar. they have this. Yeah, big sugar. Um, plus they have this. You know, it was like they were like, oh, just stay. You know, go to the World Cup and then just stay that extra week as if there isn't any other cyclocross and race big sugar. That was kind of their marketing push, but it doesn't doesn't really work if you're in one you know, full-time in one discipline or the other. Plus they now have this new event and we don't know where that's going to sit. Is that going to sit later or is it going to be squeezed in somewhere in between? You know, it hasn't, it, that's the wild card. That's not going to be announced till, till January, but, uh, this isn't Grodio. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, strawberry cross and, um, and the shove. (laughs) Let's talk (laughs) about the the story. Yeah, yeah, someone's getting handsy with Han- Hansinger. Denise. Set it up, Michael. Set it up. What happened? I mean, really, all, I ha- all I've seen is, is just that clip where they are going downhill, then turning right. They're off their bikes, right? And it- Well, isn't Hansinger still on her bike? Is Hansinger on her bike? Yeah, she tried to ride further. I think that was part of the beefs, is that she tried to ride further than everyone else, where everyone else was kind of dismounting. And so there was a little bit of maybe contact, but Hansinger kind of is ahead. And Betsima just puts it like, I mean, Betsima straight up stiff arms Hansinger. It was bizarre. It was was bizarre. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like they bumped into her. Like Hansinger was in front. And then, yeah, like, I mean, I described, I've been watching college hoops. I described as a flagrant one. It was unnecessary, you know, an excessive contact. It was it was it was a punished pass. Like you know, I got punished passed on Sunday, and it was exactly like it was not needed, but uh, decided to be you know used. And um, and then I guess in the five, inter- five second five second penalty in F one. Yeah, let's, I, I, let's, this is great. I love it. Doc points. I mean, I guess in the interview, I heard Jens Zecker post on Twitter that like. She was asked about it, and she was talking about maybe a different incident, and she didn't know what the and they were referring to, and and the, or that she had got pushed first. Um, but it, it's just you is know, that like was that inter- was that after she because orig- initially she was basically like rubbing his racing, you know, get out of my way, elbows out. I think was her initial response, right, from Betsima. Was it? I when thought they, the the initial was like she didn't know what had happened, but oh, okay. Um, I guess it just, it's a thing that, so I feel like, you know, we've talked about Betsima a lot in this podcast. We've had our issues with Betsima. It's sort of, we have kind of, she was maybe for a while, the person we didn't want to really name or talk about. And, you know, time has passed and like, you know, she's doing her thing. She's kind of fading. So it's not so, you know, we don't have to kind of ignore her as much because we kind of do because she's not in the race. But then all of a sudden just to have her do this act and like oh yeah that's right that's who you are i mean or that's how you want to play the game right like that's 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 sort of your system of of racing and it involves some of these like not so cool things on and off the course 
maybe maybe this is just my 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 uh life before this uh occupation but uh i i, I just don't I, I saw that argument a lot and this whole like past discretion thing indiscretion part of it i just i just feel like his noise compared to what happened here the people are like oh that's unsportsmanship for somebody who had a doping ban i was like it's unsportsmanship for anybody period it has nothing to do with what she may have done accidentally or on purpose or whatever like we don't need to relitigate that but this is like this was just a, a you know and you could call it impulsive or whatever i was like i'm not going to place her past history with whatever on top of this it was just like this was shitty and and the thing that I don't like about it is that it's, it's the same thing. You know, Americans go over there and they talk about not being able to get the respect. You would think at this point, Clara Hansinger is somebody who has proven herself in that field and should get the respect of the rest of that field. So for the Dutch and, you know, especially Dutch, uh, uh, fans and and supporters of Betsema to basically blame this on Hansinger and say that what she, what happened to her she had it coming. That's the part that I just find like insane because anybody if if the positions were changed and it was an American shoving a Dutch rider on her bike, we'd still be talking about it in every Dutch and Belgian newspaper. It would be a headline. Yeah, that was just uh, the responses that were bizarre. I mean, and kudos to, I mean, is what it is. I know we run a pseudo journalistic endeavor, but, you know, clam bitching memes doing the Lord's work on this one and just, you know, putting it out there and bringing receipts too. I, it was just really, we were discussing this where, you know, there were a lot of replies like, oh, Hanser got in her way. She just needs to toughen up or whatever. And it's like, We've seen, we know what elbows out racing is. We know what rubbing is racing and holding your spot. This was a shove. It was a shove. But then, you know, the next day, some of them were like, oh, well, we don't race like that. We're just, you know, we race clean. And they were like, you know, clam bitch and memes was like, here's a super cut of like, you know, several riders doing shady stuff without even going, <laughs> I was looking back through art, without even going to like tone arts, like leg sweep or many other things I probably could have found <laughs> like, <leg> like <laughs> you know, we probably could have found like five man and Bacher transgressions. They only highlighted one. So it's just like, yeah, it was just kind of, kind of, kind of shitty and kind of, you know, to be like, Oh, this was Claire's fault and she just needs to toughen up or whatever. It was like, um, yeah, but it seems like, you know, I, I was watching then after that, though, like, Claire gave up a bunch of spots after it happened. I think, you know, I think part of it, too, is it was getting really dicey in there. And so, I don't know, I guess I would have liked to see her respond by really, like, asserting herself and, you know, taking spots and, you know, beating Batsma as she did at, uh, at Namur two years ago or whatever. So just kind of a bummer that it didn't work out that way, but yeah, it was just a bizarre thing, bizarre incident. And the responses were equally bizarre. I think it was the responses that, that, that really heightened it. Just to clarify what, just rewatching the video, Claire is actually riding her bike. Betsima pushes her off her bike and Clara has to dab. And then that she's like, yeah. So that like, yeah, just that kind of just makes it worse. Like she's actually riding; she sort of takes a rider off her bike. It's just, it's, it, I don't know. It's a sick move. I don't, I don't like sick as in bad. It's not good. All right, should we should we talk about the racing in that race at all, or you know the the continuation of uh, Lawrence Sweck's um, uh, 
being released from the sauces and getting results. I don't know. What do we? What anything? Anything else worthy about worth worthwhile talking about that, or should we just uh, head on over to Overisa? Yeah, we can quickly mention that Alvarado winning again. Um, she's going to probably, you know, I think Super Prestige is a series that she'll probably try and go for now. I think she's leading that or is close. Um, but once again, she is the best of the rest when the U23s and Brand is not there. Um, we had Mariana Voss. Marianica is started and not going so well. She kind of was at the front in the beginning of the race and then really dropped out and decided not to start the next day. So that was my takeaway. I mean, because Alvarado and Voss both got off to a, a fast start, you know, they were going through and then coming off. I think it was the stairway to nowhere, the mini, the mini Fayetteville stairway to nowhere. Then all of a sudden, like Voss just like dropped like a stone and Alvarado's like, oh, I'm just going to go right away with this. Um, so that was just kind of kind of weird. And a similar thing happened, I think, in the men's race with Ailey Ezerbeet, if I'm not mistaken, where Lauren Sweck and Ezerbeet were at the front, I want to say. Uh, so it just seems like Ezerbeet's issues continue where then Sweck was able to ride away. But both of them were really unspectacular races with like first lap gaps that held the rest of the way. Sven used to do this too. Like uh, there was a certain point where he just didn't care about the World Cup and was going to concentrate on the other series. And Super Prestige, that isn't that like a thirty thousand euro first prize? I mean, that's 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 worthwhile spending your time on. And didn't Sven so, win the Super Prestige like ten times or something too? I mean, it was a very successful <laughs> strategy that he he employed. Right, and and. And, it, you know, I mean, I'm sure Alvarado wants to do well. She was, you know, we'll talk about it with Overeyes where she just didn't have the day she wanted to have. But it, it, if if the kids aren't going to show up to race right. in the big money uh, series, then why not? Go concentrate on that and take that series. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of one of my points looking at. And this maybe, you know, is a segue or not to the, the World Cup is that um, Puck is not, you know, Puck and Femme are, are not racing Super Prestige not really racing X2O. Like they seem to be focused just on the World Cups and there's enough races that they can do that. So like that does open up these other series for the other riders, but it's almost like does it I, I don't know. It's like Alvarado is clearly she's she's leading that series. She is like the best of the rest, but does I don't know. Like are you is it devaluing the super prestige or is it is it keeping its uh, its prestige, if you will, if the, the best three young riders are not racing? I mean, I think, though, that if you look back, I think you've seen where a lot of like the Mariana Vosses have not done that. Like when Yolanda Neff was racing well and Ferran Prevost, like they were doing the World Cups. And so, you know, the the, the super prestige, the x2o trophy it seems like is more for the the dedicated cyclocross racers and i think that goes back to you know sonic Hunt's thing about the the tourists and the the folks who don't race the full the full season so i don't know if it devalues it i mean it's definitely different i i just personally think for alvarado it's good to target this i think winning this series would be huge for her coming off last year i think winning these races is super important for her and just relearning not relearning but winning races winning races against you know top competition and really asserting herself i think will be good for her uh going forward and then she can work on addressing the problem of the kids yeah and and just to you know the flip side of what we were talking about with alvarado the 
the World Cup also thirty thousand dollars, thirty thousand euros for the winner, plus good prize money per race. You know, so definitely, if you're going to just concentrate on one, it's not like it's not like you're taking a step down by doing the World Cup. No, I and also I think that you know I also find it interesting and maybe something I've noted you know thinking about is that. When Wow and Vanderpool were U23, when they were, they were at Puck's age, they were racing everything. Um, now, Puck and Femme, really those two, and maybe Sharon a little bit, they're not racing as much. I mean, there are more World Cups now, but they are sort of choosing to focus on one thing. And I'm just, I'm wondering if that's actually probably a really good thing for them. They seem to be focused. You see Puck is going to the World Cups doing those recons, making it. She's putting out those videos, but she's actually studying the course. And as we see in over Isa, that played to her strength and she was able to win. And just, I'm wondering if, you know, there was a little bit of too much racing and now we're maybe going back to dialing it back a bit that you just, you can't do it all the time as we thought maybe that Wout and Vanderpool could, but now we're seeing that they're also having to bring things back. They're also getting older, but... Yeah, they're 10 years older. But still, but so when, but when Wout and Vanderpool were Puck's age, they were racing more. So I just want, I want to just note that difference and kind of see like how that plays out through their careers through the next couple of years for Puck and Femme together. At that time, though, when they first, when those guys first came out and hit the scene they were not racing full road calendars. And that's that's different for, at least for Femme, is Puck's also road racer, right? But I don't no. think they've... She's just... Mountain. She's a mountain biker, right? That's right. Well, yeah, so she did a full... So they're they're also doing other disciplines that I think once, once uh, Wout and Matthew started doing more road, started doing more mountain biking... Not for well, at least for Wout for for Vanderbilt, it seems like he still just did every cyclocross race. I think, but yeah, I think you might be right, Michael. But I also think that Vanderpool might be the one who's kind of the 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 standout in that. You know, he may yeah. not he may he may be the one that um, sort of breaks the rule in that in that regard. What do you want to do? Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that women's race, the kids in Overice. it again. Yeah. Well, I just want to, I made this point last year and I think this race, I I come back to this as, this is a race where this becoming a world cup is a good thing. (laughs) I think, uh, this course is amazing. Uh, you know, it's one of the iconic races. I think it dates all the way back to 1960. We were talking about races that have been around forever. I don't know if it quite has the 31 straight minus the, the COVID year for, for noho, but it has been around forever. And you'd watch these races and they'd be muddy and it would just be this epic course with all kinds of climbing uh, and, you know, these crazy descents. And it got to be a World Cup and everyone's like, oh, this course rules. I mean, it is... I, I was getting strong Namur vibes. There was even like a, a multi-rut off-camber that riders mm-hmm. were going through. I was going to do the uh, the office meme with Pam, you know, the corporate. <laughs> I didn't have time to do it, but, you know corporate wants to tell you the difference between these two and you know just do some of those for it so i love this course i mean it's a little bit different this year we got to see the sections of the woods i guess there was construction or something going on where they had to kind of reroute the course but 
Um, yeah, and you have decisive descents. You know, we have other courses where you have short descents. Like, these were decisive descents. Like, if you could rail these, you could make up a crazy amount of time uh, looking at you, Elite Women's Race Lap 1. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know, just really cool course. Really excited to see this as a World Cup. And, you know, for all the other courses that aren't as good, this course is great. Awesome to see. So... I heard Marty say this was the 84th edition of this race. He did mention that at some point they ran it twice a year. So don't know how many years that actually have done it. My sort of takeaway with this course in this venue and what Puck did on lap one and, and, and why she was able to do that is once again, I'm going back to the weather. This is like the second time this year we've seen a like really wet, really muddy, slick course. And I think that is something that Femme doesn't excel at. I know we talked about her at Dendermonda, but that was flat. That was a slog that was running. This course had all those technical skills that if it was dry, I feel like Femme could have done it really well and hung with Puck and probably beat her. But because of the conditions, it sort of played into all of Puck's strengths and, you know, we see on the men's sides how this wasn't the course for our man Lawrence. Um, so just, just, just how, like I keep talking about the weather this year and how it's changing these races and changing, you know, riders seasons. I think this is, this is where sort of we're switching back to maybe what we typically see this time of year. And, you know, if we continue to get weather like this, it'll be interesting to see if puck can do it, uh, get another win against femme and who else to sort of come to the fore. So, Bill, do you think that, you know, Puck is going to take this game tape and have this be something that she'll look at in terms of a strategy to beat Femme? Because we've seen where she's kind of struggled to beat her in a sprint. Femme just has that snap on these drier races to win in the last lap. But this really played. She got a gap. And then, you know, she's more of a she's not snappy. She's more of a diesel kind of rider and a very strong technical rider. So, you know, are we, is this game tape? Is this, is this a blueprint for winning races for, for Puck Peterson the rest of the year? I, you know, this is a really tough one. And, and especially cause I, the, the question I was going to ask you all is who is the right now, as of today is the best cyclocross racer in the world that, that we've seen. I, I, I sort of put it on femme for the last two weeks. My question is, has that, has that shifted here? Here are some here are some numbers for you because this is like, you know, this is a little bit of recency bias that, that we're looking at with the Femme V Puck uh, um, head to head. So if you go all time, all time, all time goes all the way back to 2019 for them <laughs> racing against each other. Peterson is ahead 27 to 14. So she's got the edge, all right? You go. 2021, 8 to 5, Peterson. 14 to 6 in 21-22. I mean, she had Femme's number pretty much the entire season. Femme has this breakout year this year, and she's only up 3 to 1 on her. So my question remains, who is the best cyclocrosser as of today in the world? Lawrence Swack? Got to be Mikey V. 
Lauren Sweck. You're saying Lauren Sweck. You're saying Michael Van Tornow. Those I'm are your answers. That was a punt. I was no, 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 no. I just, I just want to get this on record. Le- uh, uh, Zach, you're saying that Lauren Sweck is the best cyclocrosser in the world, and Michael is saying Michael Van Tornow is the best cyclocrosser. Okay, all right. Who's your answer? My answer is Femme and Ample, still. Okay, you're sticking okay. with her? I'm sticking with her. I mean, I think that, I mean, that's a fair point. It's like, I was going to joke that somewhere in the Netherlands, there's a, a two-week-old wondering when Femme and Ample will ever win a cyclocross race again. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the that's the joke, right? Like, has she still finished second? Does she finish second? I mean, she just... But my the one the one thing I will say is that a couple of weeks ago also we we're to, or I was saying that you know you're talking about generational talents and you have you know Femme Van Empel who's this generational talent and right behind her is this another generational talent that we're really not talking about and now we're talking about her so you know I, I think that that makes it even that she was able to get this win and hopefully they're they're you know, able to go head to head and split the wins throughout the season, I, I think it's the dream scenario. And it, it makes, it makes that women's field really exciting. And then we got the dangler shearing. <laughs> yeah. There. Well, so one yeah. interesting thing about this, I, uh, in Bowensa, so this was in early 2019, I was talking to someone who knows European cyclocross, won't name names, um, of who it was, but they were like, Puck Peterson is the real deal. She is the revelation. She is a superstar. She's going to be everything. And so to me, it's just been wild to see Femme Van Empel come out of nowhere. Uh, Cause you take her away and you're right. Puck is just like, we're, we're talking about her as a generational talent. Like Femme comes into the sport and, you know, I think by virtue of winning the two, one or two world cups last year, I think that that gave her a leg up on Puck. And uh, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about. And for me, it's just been remembering this conversation because I've had my eye on her for for that long, for several years now. Um, but you know, maybe Puck getting this win—I mean, that's a big thing. Like this was her first World Cup win after coming close so many times. So maybe that'll change the equation. But I mean, to be honest, yes, Bill, I, I agree with you that I think Fem Van Empel is still you know at the top of the sport and is for now. We'll see what happens when Wout and Michu come back. Um, I don't think Pitters was is better than her at this point. So we'll, we can revisit this conversation in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, she still has been amazing this season. What, what, here's a pop quiz, Michael. Femme Van Empel's worst result of the year. What second. Place? Yeah. Yeah. Second place. It's been second place three times. That's her worst result. Puck's worst result of the year? Third. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so the future is here. Okay. All right. Yeah. We, so we established that. Te- technical question, Bill, Zach. Uh, I was wondering this. A few listeners were wondering this. You had two le- World Cup leaders jerseys in the race, in the women's race, Femme and Puck both wearing them. I'm assuming Femme is wearing the elites. Puck's wearing the U23s. Question, is Puck wearing Femme's U23 jersey as well, or is Femme no longer part of the U23 competition somehow because she raced elite Euros? I think it's that. If 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 she had not given up her U23 uh, eligibility, there'd only be one. We'd only see one jersey out there. Okay. Because they were doing the they, they do the podiums every week, and right. she she was on the top of the podium for both categories. I don't think she is anymore because she's given up that eligibility. She is now an elite racer. 
It's so okay. So you can give up your el- if you give up the eligibility at Euros, you sort of that's it for the rest of you're done in U23. She's okay. done. She is she is she is she can't go back. Can never go back. No I mean, so I guess it's an interesting question, you know, with the race with the race at Hoogerheide. I mean, it feels like a race that Puck could win or Sheeran could win. Like it'd be interesting to see what the other two decide that if they're gonna race U23s or if there's some pressure, just be like, we're just gonna race elites. Uh, for world I, I think the, I think the strategy now is is if if you're Puck and you're Sheeran just to stay in the U23s. I think that's the that's the smart move for them. They've both won one World Cup. I, I think that I, I just think the way that Fem started that season it was kind of inevitable, and then winning Euros kind of validated that decision. It's really you know there's no going back on that. But I could see. You know, I could see I, I could see them waiting through this year. Nobody would give them a hard time about it, and then jumping up next year. Yeah, yeah. It seems like next year for sure is pretty much inevitable at this point. That's a very good point. Should we talk about that men's race? Pitters Palooza. He's back. Well, he was back at at Merck's Place, but he was he was truly back racing. But don't don't you feel like it's Pitters Palooza? It's a holiday. It's a time of celebration, gift giving. He gave us a gift. I mean, he really gave us something to watch for. He what dropped his chain at the start, and then I think even the UCI posted some cool little race where they did a little counter. But he went from last to first in two laps. One. Oh, but Bill, we've seen this before. I mean, climby course technical descents i feel like we've seen this before in some mountain bike races i don't know he's he's got he's a pro at moving through a field on a course like this well that's that's one of the things that you know and he he, we talk about like elbows out he was definitely making some sketchy moves um around people but it was all they were all racing moves and i think that's the that's the distinguishing you know if we go back to bets the betsima move that's the that's the distinguishing factor here yeah, the people that he was passing probably weren't happy about it, but at the same time, you know, I mean, he's moving through there fast and sorry, that's just, that's the way cyclocross goes. And that's kind of, that's, that's what we love to see. You know, if, if Betsima had done that on her bike and sort of like cut off Hansinger's line and went by her and Hansinger had to get off and run. Awesome. Great move. We're all going to applaud it, but that's not, you know, that's so Pitcock. Yeah. Going through there, not making friends on the way up, but at the same time, nobody could keep his wheel either. I mean, he's obviously the faster guy, but you're absolutely right. Zach, we saw it in, you know, what he would do in short track racing, going from the back of the field and just skitching around like 10, 15 people at a time to move up is just insane. And he'd do it, in mountain bike races where they're like, well, you can't pass here. And then he just like shoot by two people and, and, you know, get up to the lead. (laughs) He's that's, that's the talent that he has, but it was, it's, it's funny that he kind of put himself in this spot as sort of like working himself into the sport. And then he has to, yeah, not because of his points, just because of his equipment had to start from the start from the back and work his way up. Just, just, just crazy effort. And I think, uh, It'll be fun to see. Fun to see what happens when he gets a clean start. Yeah, I mean, he was like, I mean, he was putting on a clinic. I, I, I'm thinking of that that main descent, the the Puck Peterse descent. But you know, I mean, he was putting on a clinic there and just picking up crazy amounts of time, and then got into the battle with Van Turnout, and it was 
it was weird because it was like, yeah, this rules. Like he's killing it. And then as it got down to crunch time, it's like either A, he's tired or dude, like you need to tone it back a little bit, my guy. Like you're in a tight race here. Uh, you know, and Van Turnout, to his credit, rode really well. There there was one when they came together that he just he stuck on Pitcock's wheel all the way down because you were like, well, this could be a spot where he might open up a gap. And, you know, Pitcock, or Van Turnout took the lead. I just think, you know, Van Turnout is just, I don't know, I, I feel like he's a, a sneaky good guy, good rider. You know, he's just like, he never wows you with anything, but he's just so solid in every aspect of cyclocross. And he's having the best year of his career, probably. That's what I'm saying. Like, put some respect on Michael's name. Like, that was my thought watching that race. You're you're cheering for Pitcock to come back. And and then all of a sudden, he's there, and he's battling with Michael. And, and yeah, he can't drop Michael. He crashes, and Michael is able to get past him. But then Pitcock is coming back, but he still can't get to Michael. And then you kind of realize how good Michael is this year. And I thought back to, you know, unfortunately, you know, we were at Pan Am, so I sort of missed all of Euros. But he won Euros. Like, he's won, like, Euros, World Cup. You know, he's got the kid on the podium. Like, that's why I jokingly said that he's, he's the best in the game right now. I think uh, I just I just I kind of feel like he gets overshadowed sometime and, and then he's got the skills. We, we've also seen this race before. You know, I mean, Zach wanted to compare this course to. What? Which one was it? Was it Nova Mesto or was it Albstadt? Oh, to Namur. No, no, no. Sorry, Namur. Namur. To Namur. Oh. Yeah. Where, Where, what happened last year at Namur? Pitcock was sort of all over the place, was able to get by uh, Michael Van Tournau, wasn't able to hold it. Van Tournau comes back, passes him, and beats him and takes the win. at that. I mean, it was it was almost, you know, other, other than Pitcock having to, you know, fight through the 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 whole field again it kind of played out that that same way that 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 race did too it looked like pitcock was going to recover and going to win that race going away and and van tornout was able just to smoothly and calmly kind of gut it out and take the win so i don't know if this is an age thing but you know i i think that i maybe i maybe i joked about on this on twitter that i feel like especially woutmas just hits a little bit different than pitter's palooza cuz Pickock really does not come into cyclocross season on his best game we're like he's going to come in he's going to do the thing and then he's just like not very good where you know last year wout came into super prestige bomb and just like destroyed everyone. <laughs> and then he just proceeded to win every race, but one that he raced for the rest of the season. Uh, so just a little bit different. And maybe that's an age and maturity thing. I mean, we had, he is significantly younger than, than Wout Machu, but I just feel like those other guys, generally speaking, Wout Machu come in on better form into the, into the cross season. Whereas Pitters just seems like he needs to a remember how to ride his bike, but then just ride into being a cyclocross racer. Well, I think that's 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 kind of the, that might be the difference. You kind of nailed it there at the end, in in that Wout was born a cyclocross racer and been racing, you know. So it's like just you look at him, and technically, it's just sublime to watch him race a bike when he's on form. And yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Pitcock has that same sign of that same that same lineage to to sort of fall back on, where it's just muscle memory from day one. Well, he was born uh, yeah. a mountain biker, so that's... Exactly. See, you're absolutely right. And as we've learned, they don't always translate. Shout out to Pitcock, though. 
speaking Dutch on the live stream, trying to answer in Dutch. I, uh, you know, tweeted out, how was it Dutch? And, you know, friend of the show, Elizabeth said, okay. Um, but I, you often... Well, I think last year, last year, I think they tried to ask him a question in Dutch and he was basically like, you're going to have to ask, you're going to have to talk in English, mate. Right. And okay. Well, I like, I like that. I mean, maybe he's like trying to learn it and he's, I like that you, you don't see that often. Maybe we don't get a lot of, um, what's the word? Anglos. Um, but it's not, like he's for, it's not like he's foreign to it either. I mean, that that's the thing. It's like, you, you would think that he should have picked up some Dutch by now. The guy, the guy was on Telenet Fidea for a year. You know, I it's mean, true. he, he has, he has done his time. That kind of embedded in a in a in a Belgian team. So he he had his fair share. I think everyone kind of forgot about the team of the year that he was on Sven's team. <laughs> We're just going to go ahead and sweep that one under under the rug and pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, and also going back to 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 Zach, you know, and I I know the point you're making, but also to say he comes in and and starts shitty. He did get second in this World Cup, you know. It's like he's still it's still his 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 crappy starts that I think people would die for in the rest of that field. Yeah, so I was going to say I think we also saw just the talent that that he has and the dynamicism that he brings to the racing. I guess, but it's not like he doesn't come in and just right away. Like I think in that you know, wow, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna totally make a presumption here, but wow, it would make that comeback and then just right away, and we'd be like, yeah, that yeah. was amazing. Like wow, is doing the thing, you know. Whereas Pidcock. Had to race his bike and got beat by a better cyclocross racer. Yeah, and he, and he got what ninth the day before or whatever or whatever he did in Merck spots. So, yeah, but you make a good point, Bill. He did finish second. <laughs> well, yeah, it's also we we saw it. I think Wout is the exception there too because we've seen Vanderpool in later years come back and kind of struggle in those early races too as he figures out how to ride a cyclocross bike. And I think that's going to be, you know, again, you don't have to litigate the past in Australia and everything that happened. But I think the one thing that we're all watching is, can, is, is Vanderpool ever going to be healthy again? I mean, that's like, that's, that's kind of the big test. I know the whole road road world is watching his return to cyclocross too, because it's going to be really telling to see what kind of a bike racer he is. And if he ever, has recovered from Tokyo and 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 mountain that mi- mountain biking crash. So it's uh it's we got some we got some really interesting days ahead of us for uh for the men's cyclocross side. And it starts on Sunday, 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 Sunday. World Cup Holst. Uh, were you at Holst last year, Bill? I was amazing venue. I, Another just, on the Zach Schuster list of races that were elevated by becoming World Cups. Well, and also venue changes. Like they, they sort of they had the uh, kind of the 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 harbor holst, and then this is the windmill holst, and the windmill holst is just so good, so so good. Starfort. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Because in the pandemic year, they were supposed to have it because this is closer to the town. They said no, you're going to go that terrible on the outskirts or whatever the harbor, and the course kind of sucked and was a muddy bog and blah 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 and then we saw this course it was like this rules <laughs> uh yeah th- this is just like the descents and the climbs here are just insane and it's uh yeah super compact but just really really fun and you know you get to you get to ride through a windmill so 
I guess, so Holst being Vanderpool's first race back will be, it's got to be a bit of a test for his back. I mean, those those punchy climbs. So, yeah, I built I mean, Wout, Wout, did, Wout did not do well at this race. But isn't that because he got caught in Yeah, he went scrum? from fifth. Yeah, he was like with Tyler Cloutier and he ended up finishing fourth. <laughs> Tyler did? Yes, Tyler. Tyler rode Tyler Wout's wheel goals? all the way back. Yeah. I mean, he finished fourth, like, but he was like DFL. He was like, he was way back, you know, way back in the scrub zone. I just remember Wout looking like he was not having a lot of fun. I think that was that was the well. Main, that's yeah, because he had it. to. He he like rode out of his skin and just and then he couldn't get he couldn't close that gap. I remember right. He just like reached a certain point and he couldn't close it down anymore. He was last, so. Yeah. All right. So does uh, Tom Pitcock uh, repeat at Holst? That's a good question. Is he racing Holst? Yes. I think so. I I don't know what to expect from Vanderpool. I mean, I've been saying this for six months now. Like, we don't know anything. It's a mystery. You know, like, Vanderpool could win easily. I I don't think he will. Bill, to your point of when he's come into the season in the middle, he's kind of... He's been able to win, you know, I'm just thinking of like Euros a few years ago or whatever. He's been able to win, but it wasn't like in Vanderpolian dominating fashion. So I, we could end up seeing a, a bike race. I I could go for that. I mean, we've got some new players. We've got, uh, not new players, but we've got like Swack and Vanderhaar and uh, Mikey V racing well. We could have Pidcock. I mean, we could have, it could be for uh, a good race. I think that this is definitely going to be uh, appointment viewing. Uh this weekend. Are we surprised that the Ezerbeek collapse happened before the, the big two returned? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think I was reading up on Wheeler fleets and I didn't realize that he apparently has, I don't know. He says like leg and back injuries. I don't remember where those come from, but so, I mean, like he had a couple of, was it, uh, but, I don't know, Moss and Mecklen or whatever race where he sort of like came back and, and almost got back to the front and won. You know, he was racing strong. But yeah, I, I thought he would be further in the season before he collapsed. Uh, I guess, you know, it's not quite cold enough for him to to give up on cross. Anything else we want to talk about? We're like right at an hour. I think we jammed a lot of a uh, lot of good stuff in there. What else? What else do we need to? Yeah, to I get got to one. Before one last thing. One. So, right. speaking of the Canuck Championships coming up, someone on the Six Years Bulletin said, you know, kind of weird. There's a bit of a gap now between Henderson last C two and Cross Nats. And I was like, oh, well, remember when Cross Nats was in January? Uh, but what what about this? Why don't we just move Pan- – why don't Kopachi ask the UCI to move Pan Ams to the week it was last year, right before CX Nats? I feel like that is a good lead into nationals. It doesn't interfere with Canadian nationals, so they can also come. Um, and then you have, you have no gap. And it also doesn't – it's not on the same weekend as a, another UCI race in North America. So that's my – that's my pitch to put Pan Ams in the first week in December. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> Phil doesn't like it. I, I, I like the time in between the races so people can prepare for each each of those events. I just... 
mean, it was fine, but I just, I just feel like you're going to have people missing. I don't know. I don't have strong opinions about it either way. I, I kind of liked how Pan Am's worked out. I kind of like that. It's, you know, where it is on the schedule. We don't, we, it, there doesn't have to be a UCI race on that same weekend. There are enough weekends to go around. You could put a, why not? You could, you could have another UCI race after Thanksgiving. Do that and then go to nationals. Well, then that race would not get anybody because they would all prep for Nash. Well, maybe not. Maybe you would get some half the people. Yeah, I don't know. On Bodie's point, I think clearly the answer here is that if we're upset that there's a gap, everyone should come to Chicago the weekend after Thanksgiving for the Coke Cider of the Midwest at Montrose Harbor. Uh, I'm stoked. It's a like iconic race. I've never been. I'm going this year. Might even ride my bike. That's your answer. Come to Montrose. Come race in the sand. All right. Book your travel plans. We'll see you there. And we'll also see you next time. Later. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.